We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast. This week, joining us in the garage, Cleveland Cavaliers icon, a member of the 2016 NBA championship team, and and really a Cleveland favorite athlete. We've got Channing Fry jumping in the garage with us. He's going to talk to us about his foray into beer and wine after his career. He's going to talk to us about his way into the NBA, and of course, his time with the Cavaliers and that 2016 magical run to the title. All of that, plus our Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome into the Garage Beers podcast, a very exciting uh, I don't know. We're so excited about this episode of the Garage Beers Podcast. We have an awesome special guest, but let's throw it around the horn real quick. Uh, I am Michael Keefe. You can find me on Twitter at Garage Beers Mike. Uh, let's throw it over to the east side. Chad Meyer at Garage Beers Chad. What's going on, Chad? I got a new setup tonight, guys. I'm, uh, I'm out on the back deck. It's actually a lot nicer out here. Instead of uh, sweating my balls off in the garage, I'm watching the NHL playoffs and I'm ready to podcast. Yeah, and a little hockey, a little podcast, and you can't go wrong with that, Chad. You watching the Monsters or the, the St. Louis? <laughs> I wish, but no, I'm watching the Flyers and Canadians right now, and Philly's up one nothing in the second period. So. Oh, there you go. I don't want to interrupt. Somebody had this argument that playoff hockey is better than playoff basketball. And I said, you're drunk. <laughs> we could maybe, we could maybe, there might be some opinions on that. No, no, special I'm, guest. I'm totally down with opinions, right? Obviously, I'm a basketball <laughs> player. So I have basketball. Well, I mean, you got to defend it, but we got to talk about it. And I want to talk to you about what's going on there now in a minute. But let's let's keep throwing it around because we still got to bring you on because you're the surprise special guest. Let's throw it down to Nashville real quick first uh, on Twitter at Garage Beers Joe Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe? I was going to say Chet's just on his high horse because he's got the only NHL team that's still in the playoffs. But Mike mm-hmm. and I got knocked down the first round, so. Yeah, fair. It's kind of a bummer. Not fair. But hey, we're here. That's all right. They're almost out, so it's fine. Yeah, they're about to get plastered. We're all not going to have teams root for. It's fine. Uh, so let's let's bring in our special guest now. Uh, if you're a Cleveland fan, if you're really a basketball fan, a sports fan in general, uh, you know this guy, a Cleveland icon at this point, even though he didn't spend a ton of time in Cleveland, but he certainly spent the most meaningful time in Cleveland. 
helping the Cavs to win the first championship in the city of Cleveland in 52 years. Uh, just became one of the best. It was me. Well, yeah, it was all you. I can't. Uh, and he will tell you that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and since his playing days, and this is going to be fun, he's made his way into obviously podcasting, broadcasting, beer, and wine. So we're going to talk about all that. Let's bring in our special guest, Channing Fry. Channing, what's going on? Nothing, man. Listen, chilling. You sound like a, a, a drunk announcer. Right? It's like that's oh, he he talks and he drinks and he drinks. <laughs> this is the goal. It's it's well, it's more of like a drink and then talk and then drink. So you know, oh. you know, watch me kick my ass. You want to go outside and walk? <laughs> Listen, you're in, you're in no position uh, because you just did an awesome uh, uninterrupted thing on Instagram. Uh, and so you're like a bottle of wine in. Uh, half a bottle. <laughs> I did open up one before that. So you probably a bottle. <laughs> what I mean, right. like, I mean, it is what, Tuesday? Wednesday? It is Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's COVID. It's a COVID Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a Friday. Yeah. Listen, the COVID, COVID rules right. are airport rules. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So, yes, guy. Uh, what is the earliest? And I used to do this on Twitter. What is the earliest you've ever seen anybody drink a, a full beer and a shot at a at an airport? Full airport? Oh, at any time you get there. 8 a.m. 8 a.m.? I got That's a probably 5 7 a.m. Yeah. I said, I looked at the dude. I said, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I say, you, your, your wife must have left you, or you must have lost your job, or you must be from Europe. Maybe That's he's afraid of flying. Reasonable excuses. He might be afraid of flying. He's just kind of toning it down a little bit. Oh, Listen, airport rules. I'm a firm, I'm a firm believer. Believer, I got to fly for work. I'm a firm believer that airport rules hours go out the window. I fly from Portland to Atlanta every week. I take the red eye. And then I take on Friday morning, I take the earliest flight, which I think is like 6.45, right? Yep. I mean, excuse me. I mean, I have sat next to people in first class, and I only say first class, I'm seven foot, I don't fit in coach. So it's not a boot right. thing. It's literally a sure. physically, I would break my knees if I didn't. <laughs> you could always go, like, you could always go exit row. Tanning, you high maintenance son of a. <laughs> <laughs> Exit row is more coveted than first class. I'll tell you oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I have seen people get blackout drunk at seven o'clock in the morning on planes. Where I go, what do you? What job do you have? <laughs> that you could be smashed getting your bag. People can't even look at me by the end of the flight. I'm like, what do you, I hope you got an Uber, girl. Like. You have been here drinking yeah. gin and tonics at six six fifty two. You know, you didn't know they were doing kegs and eggs in the airport. You know? <laughs> dude, oh man! And not to get off subject, but dude, airplane travel is some of the most exciting. It's like, I don't know. It's like when you hit the shuffle card, right? For playing Uno, <laughs> it's just like, what am I gonna get right now? Am I yes. someone that's weird that wants to talk my ear off even though I have headphones on? Am I going to get the sleepy guy? Am I going to get the drunk guy? Am I going to get the person that says, I think I know you. Where do I know you from? And then wants to tell me about how they know more about basketball than me? Like, yep. I just I never know what I'm going to get here. Well, and those are all the people that are on the plane. You're forgetting about the people, like the airport people, right? Oh. The, the guy that's got to be first in line to get on the plane. 
the the guy that's yelling at the ticket agent because she won't give him a free upgrade. Those people all on every flight, every flight. There's the guy across the aisle that's pretending to look at his phone, but really trying to get a picture of you. Yeah. Here's a true story. I was sitting bulkhead asleep like this. I have a hoodie and I see a flash. A lady <laughs> next to me reached her arm around, took a picture of me, right? So I went up. She has the audacity to go, hey, would you mind? I know you were sleeping. Would you mind if I took a picture with you? So when she went to her pictures, my picture was right there. So I grabbed the phone and I go, you know, that's not okay. Like I was asleep. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't think you would wake up. You didn't think I'd wake up? Am I going to die right here? <laughs> Wrong <laughs> answer. <laughs> it's a fucking three hour flight. That's, that's weird. That's weird. And I was like, you know what? I'm not very comfortable taking a picture. You already have one. And I was like, dude, and I, you know me, I don't think about pictures. But people get weird. And that was like, I was like, what am I, a zoo animal? I'm asleep. Mouth was open. I'm drooling. Uh -huh. You know? That's so weird. Takes you awake. So oh, uh, sorry, you were sleeping? I, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been tapped. I've been tapped before. Like woken up? Yes. Excuse me. Hmm. I said, oh, yeah. What? It's the red eye, you fuck. It's the red eye. It's three in the morning. It is three in the morning. What do you, what could you possibly want? Are you chanting fry? You fucking heard the lady say, Mr. Fry, do you want the eggs or do you want the whatever? You heard my name. Yes, I'm Mr. Fry. Yes, now what? Tell me your story. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I was just doing a beer and a shot before we got out of flight. <laughs> I took this great picture of you while you were sleeping, though. All right, so now we're way off on a tangent, but I'm good right, with sorry. it. That's all right. So, no, here's the next the next question I have for you, because, listen, you're seven feet tall. So I got to know your answer to this question, because the one flight person we haven't talked about yet is Mr. I got to stand up in the aisle as soon as the flight gets at the at the gate okay. and, like, rush my way out of the plane. What do you think about that person? Those guys, I always go, here you go. Here you Where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? I literally said this. I said, where, where are you going? The door's not open. Do you want to go? The guy, like, sometimes they get aisle one yeah. or two. And so I'm like, where are, you go where are you going? I have to get yes. you. We are getting off the same. And what's crazy is they're at the front of the airplane, but then when I walk, they're walking as fast as me, and I have nowhere to go. I'm like, what the fuck are you? should be running. You are running. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going? How does, your, how does your priorities stop the minute you get off the plane? The, the, when the plane gets to the gate, it's the worst of humanity, I feel like, because, like, and the, the, the flight attendant will announce, like, hey, there's a family on the plane that only has 10 minutes to connect their flight, and it's we like, I'm all over please keep your seats until we can get this family off. And as soon as it goes, ding, everybody's in the aisle. <laughs> you remember the usual suspects when Kaiser Sose let his whole family die? Yes. Those are those type of people. Yes. Oh, Fuck your God. flight. Bunch of Kaiser Sose's out there. Fuck your flight. <laughs> I yeah. need to get my, my laptop. I have to I'm rush down to baggage power. claim. I got to rush down to baggage claim and wait for my bag. Which is going to take 30 minutes anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, All right, let's get off airports. Let's get into our garage beers of the week, uh, which we're excited to talk about. We're going to send it down to Nashville first to Joe. Joe, what do you have for your garage beer this week? Uh, we're going Kentucky. Uh, I got a uh, Kentucky Vanilla Barrel Cream Ale. Ooh. Um, 
It's got like some uh, oaky vanilla toffee flavors in it. Uh, really good. It's like a it's like a cream ale, um, but it's like only five and a half percent. So a little disappointing on that. Yeah, but, Kentucky the Kentucky bourbon brand usually is big big high percentages. Yeah, yeah, you would think, but uh, it's still really good. Pretty pretty light for a, a bourbon ale. You can have a whole bunch of them. I could. All right, I'm, hey, I'm gonna sit here and watch. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, so Joe's got Joe's got the Kentucky vanilla cream ale. Uh, Chad and I are just going to skip our turn for right now because uh, being in Cleveland and having our special guest on the podcast here uh, tonight, we've decided to drink in solidarity with Channing Fry. So it wouldn't be right for us to describe this beer, seeing as it is his beer. So Channing, why don't you tell us what your garage beer of the week is this week? It is obviously the Fry PA. Um, yeah. It is from Sibling Revelry. And funny story of how I even got a hold of them was as soon as my last game was over, I said, make sure I have three beers on deck because I'm about to get blackout drunk tonight. <laughs> uh, kids don't do that until you're at least 36 or retiring from something you've been doing for 20 years. <laughs> and so they threw me two. They were like, what do you want, Miller Lights? I said, oh, gross. Throw me some, some Cleveland shit, right? Yeah. So they threw me some sibling reveries and I cracked them and I'm on TV drinking these beers, you know, rest in peace, Fred McLeod, uh, talking, talking to him. Um, and so all of a sudden it hit me up and I was like, hey, do you guys like, can we talk? Like, let's do a one-off, right? Which I thought was a one-off. And they were like, so when do you want to come in? I was like, I got nothing to do. I'll come in in two days when my hangover is over. <laughs> and uh, I went in there and they were like, perfect, let's do a beer and we'll do it for a charity, no money, no nothing. Um, it'll be like, you know, obviously small batch. Um, and for me, the process, right? I was there almost every day for a week working with yeah. them, like tasting all their beers. And they have delicious beers, right? They have delicious beers. Like I think one of the most underrated beers is their gluten-free beers, right? Because I have yeah. gluten-free friends. Their gluten-free beer is fire. Well, Joey's gluten free. Yeah. So I, I only do one beer a day. That's all I can do. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's risky. Oh. It's risky. <laughs> we push through, though, for the podcast. Push through. Yeah, he push yeah, through. he, he push does it for the through. podcast. I take one for the team. Push through for the podcast. But, anyways, um, I do this every year. It's been a great relationship with them. They're amazing. It's, you know, I wasn't in Cleveland that long, but I feel like I was there 20 years. Um, I always want to give love to people who give love to me and make sure that people are um, like, just know that I'm kind of, I fuck with them, right? It's just a little way, right? Yeah. And so uh, for me, um, it goes to two places in Portland. One of them is the family meal in PDX. And so that is like, obviously due to COVID, the restaurant industry, people got to eat. You know, so just taking care of that. And then uh, Cleveland Family Meal um, is just, again, giving, making sure people get to eat during this time. And I think we take for granted the food and restaurant industry. Um, there are amazing people who do amazing things for us. For somebody to serve you food or give you beer, give you wine, and to do it correctly and to do it nicely is a lot. It's humbling, right? I don't know if you've ever yeah. fed your, like, made the food and then gave it to your family instead of just yeah. sitting in the chair like a 
I don't want to say a dumb American, but like as a douche, <laughs> it is a different experience, right? When you make the food and then give it to your family yes. in an act of love or like because they're spending their good money on it. And so those people to me are, you know, obviously essential workers and they need to be taken care of and, and they can drink some beer to help people out, then I'm all good. So you were explaining on uh, on the the thing you were doing with Uninterrupted uh, yeah. on Instagram, you were explaining that that this isn't, this isn't a typical IPA. This is an IPA for, for kind of for everybody. So the real test is we make fun of him for it all the time because I, I love IPAs, all yeah. of them. Chad hates IPAs. Yeah. So the real test is, you know, Chad, you're now, you're now drinking a fry PA. How are you feeling about it? Well, here. Okay. First off. You better be I, careful. No, no, no. He can tell me. I, 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 hate I can always change it. No, no, no. Okay, first, first, uh, first thing I said, I don't hate all IPAs. You know, I, I've just had a bad experience with a lot of IPAs. I think most IPAs are way too bitter and way too hoppy. So, uh, so I've, I've drank decent IPAs before, and this is a nice, decent, smooth IPA. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bullshitting you either. It, it is a nice, decent, smooth IPA. There's, there's, there's a little bite. There's a little bite to it. Yeah, 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 but yeah of course. It's not overly bitter, you know. And there's a lot out there that in my opinion are like that and i just i don't care for them like usually typically if you put an ipa, if you put an IPA in front of me or if you put another beer in front of me, I'm gonna choose that other beer but i'm not gonna shy away from an ipa if someone hands me it's just not my it's just not my preference that's all well there it is you've, you've hit your goal chanting of an ipa for people that may not even oh yes oh. they came back oh, small fry here goes <laughs> two hi <laughs> hi, hi. hi. So you got four, right, Channing? I got four kids. I got 10, 8, 3, and 2. So you're not busy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got a three-year-old and I'm ready to just bury myself. Oh, dude. Three. People talk about two. Listen, let's talk about three. My only my only uh exciting part of three so far is that my kid has figured out how to use the toilet. Oh, dude, that's the best. And, and so. That is the best, dude. Uh, when they figure out the toilet, um, when they sleep not in a crib where you have to go get them, is even better, man. I mean, they are, I mean, dude, listen, COVID yeah. is, is a different beast, though, just because yeah. I've been at home so much. But I've also been gone for so long. So as much as I complain about them, as much as I like I went on an hour-long walk, like a 70-year-old man with my son. <laughs> but it was the best. And we were talking about nothing. But, like, those moments I don't think I'll ever forget. Because when I was playing ball, I never got an opportunity to, like, just focus on them. And due to this, it's like I leave for an hour, and they're like, Dad, we missed you. I was like, I just went to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> but cool, Frank, I love the love. Yeah, dude. Come, come on over here. Yeah. Uh, so really cool story about the Fry PA with sibling revelry. Uh, I think we're actually poised in the near future to have uh, have somebody from sibling on uh, on the podcast. So we're going to talk to them about what they got going on over there. Yeah. Uh, but also cool about Cleveland Family Meal, Family Meal PDX. We'll give them one more shout out just because, uh, like you said, uh, there's a lot of service. They, those two uh, uh, places are really focused on service industry workers. And even like artists and things like that that yeah. just might be struggling right now through everything. So it's cool that these beers 
um, uh, are, are just going to help that situation. So a uh, really cool idea and really, oh, you thanks, know, thank you. here's delicious. Thank you. Hey, Channing, I got a question about the can art, though. I, I know this is missing, but uh, the Portland side of the can art, they have you shooting left-handed. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Everybody <laughs> said that. But low-key, I wish I was a lefty. Like one of the hardest gar- guys I've ever had to guard in the NBA was Chris Bosh. And oh, I yeah. Was, like, I don't, like, as a lefty, right? Everyone says, oh, elbow in as a righty. But, like, if you ever look at Chris Bosh's shot, his elbow is always in, and then it just finishes. So, like, but he was so consistent with it. Like, Jalen Rose, like, you're looking at J- James Harden. Some of the best shooters in the NBA history have been lefties. And it's just like, I was like, eh, just leave it. I kind of want to be a lefty. Yeah, just leave, leave me lefty on there. Let's go. Yeah, just let me be a lefty. <laughs> Maybe people people remember me different. Uh, eh, no, pr- pretty much no. no people remember right. me cool. more from off the court stuff than on the court stuff, which is actually pretty amazing. Right? Except for in Cleveland. Except for Except in Cleveland. Because they bring up that Hawks game forever. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it was great. Well, here's here's the thing. Al Horford is a great guy, right? And the Hawks are all good players. And so for me and Richard and our team, we had to find a way to absolutely fucking hate them. So when I got out there, I said, I am going to talk reckless to him, right? I am going to call him every name in the book. I am going to play so hard. I'm going to elbow him. And so I was just so hyped in my own head, like, because I imagined that he said something about me, right? He looked at me funny, and I was like, what the fuck you saying, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) So, like, uh, yes, it's funny, right? But, like, he was like, what are you? He looked at me like, well, Channing. And I was like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, like, my teammates after the game are laughing their ass off because they're like, what? What Channing is this? But I was like, dude, I got it. Like, I didn't tell him at the point, but I, I had to, like, I had to go somewhere. I had to go somewhere dark. I had to go somewhere dark. <laughs> you were a groomsman at my wedding, Channing. We were friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 No, no, no. There's no friends. Like, people, like, because well, here's what's crazy. When we played the Warriors, Steve Kerr gave me my chance, right? Obviously, he's a U of A guy. Yeah. He gave me my chance in Phoenix. Andre Godell is a good friend of mine, one of the best teammates yeah. I've had in college. Nick yeah. Uren, who works in upper management. I played with Jaron Collins. Um, Kelly Peters at the time, Andrew Bogut's a good dude. Harrison Barnes is a good dude. They have so many good dudes on their team, right? right? It's hard to hate them. But we learned to hate every little itty-bitty thing about them in that series, and it absolutely resonated with the the Cleveland fans. Oh, yeah. Between their their wives, the way he he chewed on his mouthpiece, Draymond Green, uh, like – Every single thing. And that was was wild. And I think that's why we won. It's because it was like, it wasn't like we, you guys loved us more. Is that we all hated them that much. I right? promise you. My, yeah. My wife is like, my wife's not a huge sports fan. I, I accomplished that in our house. But if I brought her in this room right now. Yeah. And I said, your first thoughts of Steph Curry. She would sit here, honest to God, and go, that fucking mouthpiece. (laughs) Ballistic. But it is, it's amazing how that happens, right? And it's like, Golden State fans hate us just as much. But like, 
as long as it doesn't get aggressive and there's banter back and forth, it's amazing for yeah. the sport, right? And it was amazing for us. And I've talked to Andre since then. I talked to, I mean, Draymond Green since then. I talked to Steve Kerr since then and all my boys. Yeah. And Willie Green works it now. And so, like, it's amazing how that goes all the way like this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we both suck. Whoop. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all good again. And it's funny. we're all good again. It's funny you brought up Al Horford, too, because he – I don't know that the players know this as you're going through it, but he's like one of the most hated players in Cleveland. Oh, is he? Because I think it's his sister. Yeah. Anna, maybe. I don't know. I don't, she, she's big on Twitter. Yeah. And she would just relentlessly trash Cleveland, just relentlessly (laughs) would trash Cleveland. And it got to the point where Al, like Al Horford would hit the court and like Cleveland fans just hated. And you know, Al Horford's a guy out there that dude, He's a good dude. He's a genuinely nice dude, solid player, made some all-star teams. He's a big man. He's a good passer. He's a complimentary third best. But he doesn't seem to, I don't know if he is doing it out there, but you don't see him on TV, like talking a lot. Like there's nothing Al Horford does, but his sister, I think it is, talked so much shit about (laughs) Cleveland. The Cleveland, if you pull Cleveland fans, they hate Al Horford. I think there's there's three players that Cleveland hates all time. Ooh, number one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Number one, Joe Kim Noah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Joe Kim uh-huh. Noah. And that even though it was conference. the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never know anybody to go to Cleveland on vacation. What is so oh. funny? But I get it. I get it. Cleveland people are like, what? I vacation here all the time. You could hear your neighbors when he said that. Like, what the f*** did he just say? (laughs) Number two, Draymond Green. Yeah. His guts. Right? And then but number three would be Steph. Right. And that's that's my three. And obviously two Mm. of them on that team. But I I mean, maybe Paul Pierce would sneak in there or somebody from the Celtics. No, Paul Pierce was like, there's like that respect level though with Paul Pierce because yeah. he did. He towed to toe it with LeBron there and it was crazy. I think you're missing maybe some of the Pistons Ooh. like Rashid. Oh, yeah. yeah, see, I didn't get that. I, I mean, the Pistons were so good when I was a rookie. It was ridiculous. Well, and that's 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 that era of like, you know, having oh, to yeah. constantly, the Cavs are just getting good and you're just constantly running into oh, Rashid and so Rip Hamilton and Prince and it was rough. Um, they were so good. But, but if there's one know. thing, there's one thing you just can't do. Like you know, it doesn't even matter how good or bad our teams are. But if you bag on Cleveland, like I know a lot of people like to leave Cleveland, but if if the people who stay here, if you bag on Cleveland, you piss off Everybody. one of the most well, you piss Everybody. off one of the most loyal fan bases, whether it's sports teams and most loyal people to their city, the country, because oh. the people who stay. Love it, and and you will feel the wrath of this city if you bag on. <laughs> Listen, I didn't know how big Ohio was or how many people were from Ohio until you walk through an airport and somebody yells as they're boarding, "2016, see fraud!" I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? I'm in New Mexico. <laughs> what? What are you doing here? Like everywhere. I'm on a plane. I'm in and the Netherlands. Like, yeah. Oh, dude, I'm on a plane, and the stewardess gives me two drinks. She's like. Thank you for the championship. Like, it's like a sneaky club. I'm like, you're from Ohio too? Like, do what? We're, going we're to everywhere. everywhere. We are everywhere. 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 The problem but, is people grow up and move places. <laughs> yeah, and then they move, move back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I did that. Oh, Brown's backers? 
is one of the largest booster clubs in the world. There's bronze right. backers clubs in Egypt, in Germany, in, in and they England, suck. everywhere, and they suck. But it's just, it, it's just uh, the history behind that organization. Oh. It, it, oh. it, it tell you, it's it's something to do with Cleveland that people, even if they move away, though, it's just it's it's just something about the Browns it. should just, be good it, this year, though. Man, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. <laughs> We've been we've heard that before. Oh, I, maybe once. I'll be honest. I, God, this okay. This is not a popular opinion. Well, here we I go. feel like this might be Baker Mayfield's last year. Like if he doesn't get it, he's just not going to get it. I hope he gets it. I think he's talented still. Yeah. I just hope he figures out a way to win. Yeah, his way. Right. Yeah. It, it, well, and you're not. That's not. Uh, it might be not the most popular opinion, but you're not in bad company. On on our podcast, yeah. we had former Brown from back in the '80s, part of the kind of the original Dog Pound crew. Yeah. We had oh, Felix yeah. Wright, cornerback uh, from the old Browns, on the podcast, and he said that same thing. He said, he said, it's it's not. He's like Baker basically has to prove to me right now that he's not a bench player. Yeah. And that's what he said, and I was like, oh, oh man. But I think there on. are quarterbacks out there. That would be more solid, but Baker always has this ability to like win you a game, right? He also can lose you a lot of games, right? But do you get a guy that's just going to throw a five yard out every single time, right? Do you get one of those guys and just be safe? I'm ready. And here's the here's the unfair part to Baker. You know, this is his third system in his third year uh, in, oh, yeah. in football, but but. Uh, the thing is, the NFL, it, 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 and that's the unfair part. He deserves a year, like a, a second year in the same system. But the NFL is such a what have you done for me lately league that it is like he does have to produce this year, or else he probably is going to be get riddled to the bench. Dude, they got some stuff. Like you know, I don't watch football a lot, but I keep up with the the Browns and the Cardinals. Those are my two teams. Sure. And I just feel like in today's league, your wide receivers are so good, right? Yeah. The deep ball is hard to get. And I think Baker is a deep ball guy. And it is like it's boring to him. And it's not it's not exciting to him to throw five, five, first down. Like he I don't know if his game management yeah. is at where it should be, where lesser quarterbacks play safer football because they're like Julio Jones, right? Julio Jones, five, go, go for 15. Okay. Right. Julio right. Jones again. Two. Go for seven. Right. Run the ball twice. Okay. Now we're good. Now that you've controlled the game, now you take your time. Now you figure out they've changed your defense. But like, I think between him and OBJ, they're always trying to be like trying to get these huge big plays. plays. Yeah. And it's like you're not winning like that anymore. Right. I, I just think defensive schemes are too good. I think yeah. the defensive players are too good. And I think guys don't want to do any do any inside routes because they're going to get crushed by guys who are two eighty running four or five. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Nobody's running those inside routes like that anymore. You're going to get you're going to die. Guys are too conscious of their their careers. Like in the eighties, they're running that inside route for seven. Bow, right? Yeah, they get right. hit. They go down. Boom. Run the ball first down. Nowadays, they're like slapping the ball down. Don't hit me. You know? Yeah. Right. Because their career is too important, right? It's it's about longevity. Well, and it's 
you know, I'll say this on Baker, and I don't want you to think I'm making a comparison no, because no. I'm not out of my mind, but you said he's kind of that guy that can find his way to win, but he can also lose you games. And that just, it just so resonates with another guy that played for a long time and found his way to win games, Brett Favre. Yeah. Oh, dude. About, I was just, he's a, guy, he's a guy that could uh, early in his career could lose a ton of games. And even late in his career, lost a lot of games because he just was the way he was. Yeah. But he won a ton more than he lost because he figured out his way to win. So yeah. that's, like my I hope, hope with Baker. Does. I think doesn't, he's a cool I, cat, man. I, I think he's a cool cat. I like his attitude. I hope his teammates resonate with that. And I, I, you know, they say they do, but I hope I, I see it on a on a field. Um, and I, he embraces Cleveland, so it's like, yeah, I, I wish him the best. So we got we got Channing Fry on here to talk Browns, which was the original intent. Uh, <laughs> so this is just Browns talk with Channing Fry. Hopefully, that's why you listened. I want to let's throw it back to alcohol for a minute. We're going to yeah, just oh yeah. intermingle alcohol and sports. Tight. Uh, uh, so you're a beer maker-ish yep. now. You've, you've made your beer. Um, is that something – I want to get your other thing that you're making because that's really cool, and I don't think it's available yet, right? The wine. No, September. Of, we were looking, but we couldn't find it. No, no, no. Uh, I would put a blast out. And okay. I only have 110 cases, basically. So when I put it out, please get it. So let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about beer for one more second. So yeah, you've oh, made yeah. an IPA. You've made an yes. IPA. Is there going to be another foreign beer somewhere? And if so, what's the next we, kind of beer you want to make? We are in the works of trying to find brewery that I can collaborate with. Um, for Portland? me, it just depends on which brewery I work with and what their specialty is. Yeah. I think for me, I did a IPA base. I would like to do more of a Pilsner. Um, okay. More of like, I don't want to say, no. I, I really love uh, just a, the taste of German beers. Okay. Right. But I don't like that, like, milky, chalky part. Like, Got it. I like Hefeweizens a lot. You don't like super malty beers. No, 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 no. But I yeah. like something that is, that can stand up to a burger, but that's also refreshing and crisp. Got it. Um, this is going to kill me right now. Um, what is the, the best beer in the world? My buddy brought it from Russian River Valley. Oh, Pliny the Elder. First of all, he, so here's a funny story. <laughs> we went to France with a bunch of my buddies for my retirement party, uh, 35th birthday. We went wine tasting. We went champagne tasting. I bought two cases of champagne. My wife drove nine Woo-hoo! hours with our kids to go see our best friends to San Francisco. Yeah. He, uh, this is after COVID. He and his wife and his family had drank them all. Oh, no. All these crazy champagnes we got. So <laughs> no. as an apology, he got me, he yeah. had a connection. He got me 24 Pliny the Elders and some other beers from the restaurant. Oh, yes. So I was like, dang, I'm mad, but I'm not really that mad because I don't know what it is about Pliny the Elder for me, right? For me as... Yeah. It is perfect. Well, it sounds like... The, but you talked about how you like kind of the Hefeweizens, the... Yeah. It's a, it's a Belgian IPA. Yeah. So it's got that... It's got that kind of... Whatever that is that those Belgian beers have, but it's also an IPA. Yeah, it's the it's best... great beer. Person. And in Portland, we have Ten Barrel, we have Crux, you know, Bend has a yeah. bunch... Um, yeah. And they make great beer, right? We have um, Deschutes. We have yep. 
Um, I'm missing someone. The shoots did a pop-up in Cleveland not long ago. That was cool. Stop. Oh, yeah. tight. That was um, real cool. But I, I mean, for me, I would love to just see what my options are. Um, what I do, uh, something called, okay, coin this or put the little dot, whatever, a summer chandy. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Playing the uh, elder. Yeah. Trust Did me. you call it a summer chandy? Yeah, I said it was summer chandy. A summer chandy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I got plenty of names. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> I think for me, <clears throat> I like to do an in between. Everyone's in a seltzers, but, you know, I mess with a couple seltzers, but you can find a good beer that's crisp and delicious, but like you could also eat with a burger or a steak or a chicken or, you know. Not going to weigh you down. Not going to weigh you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that mine is, you know, still an IPA and you're not going to drink 10 of them, but it's also, you might have three or four and be like, okay, this is solid. Two places in the country that you can buy Pliny the Elder, California, which I, I will tell a heartbreaking story about. I went to, my sister lives in San Diego, went to San Diego last year. My cousin also lives out there, had like 10 Pliny the Elders in the fridge waiting for oh. me when I got there. And I was drinking them while I was there, but I was like, I'm bringing some home. I'm bringing some home. Packed my suitcase, forgot to pack the Pliny the Elders oh. and didn't bring them. Oh. Big bummer. Oh. Uh, but the two places you can buy it, California and Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the only place, and it's oh. only the city of Philadelphia that oh. you can buy Pliny the Elder because one of the brewers of Pliny the Elder is from Philly and he wants it sold in his city. That's gross. So Philly and California. What's gross? Philly? Philly is gross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a fan of Philly. Sorry, Philly really? fans. Philly no, ain't my, no, no. my job. No, 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 no. That ain't me. So you're, so you're going to foray into beer a little bit more, but let's talk about this wine now because that's really exciting too. Uh, because you have, uh, you've partnered up with some, some, some wineries, some vineyards out there. Yeah. Um, and, and you've created your own new wine label, which comes oh, out yeah. in September, which we found out because we were trying to buy it now. Oh, yeah. Uh, chosen Family. So is the wine industry something you've wanted to get into for a long time? Like, how, how did that come about? Um, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a social creature, um, knows that I love between dive bars, wine bars. I like being out and enjoying that time because I think for me as a basketball player, dinner was like my time right? Whether it was after the game or the night before game, it was my time to convene and like get my spirits right with my family or friends or whoever's visiting, whatever. Um, and so, you know, wine and beer became conversation pieces, right? Like, why do you like this beer? Oh, I went to the brewery. They make great food, blah, blah, blah. They're great guys. Try this. Or wine, you know, I feel like is memories in a bottle because very rarely when you have a good bottle of wine, if you see it at the store, it immediately creates a, a nostalgia, like nostalgia type of thing, right? So for me, I feel like having the opportunity to be in the wine industry, number one, is a blessing. Is It's hard, right? Even though I'm not, I haven't sold it yet, it's hard, but I am coming from the bottom and I appreciate it and I am humble and I am like, uh, I don't know what the word is because I've been playing basketball for since I was, God knows, 12 years old. Earlier yeah. before that, second grade. Yeah. I am at the, I'm not at the bottom of knowing about wine, but I am at a stage where I'm not a, I'm not a genius, but I know what I like 
And I have an opportunity to share. Yeah, I'm not a sommelier. I have an opportunity to share wine that I like. um, And I hope that people can trust me that I've done this, not for money, not for fame or anything, but that you're able to share this with your family and have a story with it, right? So that when you buy it and you share it, right? Let's say you get three bottles and you share it every, every Thanksgiving, you can talk about, well, this is, you know, Channing was my fair player on the 2016 Cavs and <laughs> this is delicious wine and it's evolved like this, right? Because this is not your single note wine. I do a lot of research. Yeah. <laughs> and I am very serious about it, but I'm also, this is awesome for me to have this opportunity to work with these amazing grapes. Um, I live in Portland. I don't hate on anybody else's wine. I want to learn. I don't hate on anybody else's anything. I am a baby in this. I'm a rookie in this. And I want to taste everybody's stuff because this is art. Like wine and yeah. beer is, everyone has the same ingredients pretty much. But it's vastly different based on your style. And so for me, um, our, whole lo- our whole motto is like, we're just partners in wine. Me and my two buddies that are, are doing this, we are just here to create memories with this wine. We're here to uh, create a, um, an opportunity for people to, who may not know a lot about wine, to learn about new wines, right? Because if you like my wine, on my wine label, and I actually have it right here, it says where I got the grapes, right? And so I'm always giving love to where I got my grapes, who was making my wine, because I wouldn't get grapes or work with them if they weren't something that I already bought or already love, right? It, it, I just, right? right? I, I'm, not, I'm not a hater, and I feel like there's a lot of haters out there, right? Because I'm like, yep. how can you hate? That's art, right? You may like it, it's not personal. Hey, this doesn't fit to my palate. Okay, well, try my Chardonnay. Oh, that's delicious. Awesome. We created a a bond. We have a memory. Like, I'm not, nothing is personal about this industry for me. Um, I just feel like I've spent a lot of time meeting awesome, awesome people um, and want to do work with them because I feel like winemakers are artists and I feel like beer makers are artists. And so if I can give them a different platform to use, with the people that trust me is a unique opportunity. And I'm just trying to do the best by everybody. Instead of you guys having to go taste 50,000 barrels of wine, I'll do it for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll do it for you guys. Don't worry about it. Right. That's Channing's got all his bottles of wine in front of him on the table. <laughs> I actually just had my two, which, uh, okay. I'm super hyped because yesterday uh, was the first day I've seen both labels and both bottles together those look awesome thank you dude this process was crazy every meeting every uh zoom meeting every call everything every single day i am from the back right to the signatures to what's on here to the picture to like what color this is to what shade this is to what this says like people think like I, i know a lot of guys which is wrong to say but a lot of guys go put my name on it, send me the final three. It was like, we had thousands of options at the beginning. Wow. We had to tell them what our passion was. So like, this isn't a, uh, oh, Channing's trying to make money. Listen, if I break even on this, I'm happy. So I could do it again. Yeah, right? but like it, why would it come across like that? Your dude well, I, I, mean, I just hope it doesn't because a lot of, I think a lot of people's image of 
NBA or professional athletes that get into beer or wine, they do it without actually drinking their products, right? I was there for harvest. I was there to taste these, right? To blend these, to be like every, this is a baby, right? My baby, (laughs) my baby. And I'm like excited to share this with people. And so it's like, I've never had a job where it was so artistic and, and so opinion valued, right? Because basketball's like, hey, did you score? Yeah, I had 12. Okay, that's a good game. Boom, facts, right? Did you win? Facts. Nailed it. Nailed it. Done. This is like, oh, uh, well, I think it could be better. It's opinion. I got to go, oh, shit, okay, well, maybe it can be better. It's so different, right? You said you were playing basketball since you were 12. I mean, and it's a process to get better. And just like being a baby in the wine industry, you know, it, it, it's a full process totally. to get it to where you totally. want to get to where you and want to be. And the thing with beer is the same yeah. thing. It's like what I happened, what I found was, and I think beer was a big thing that jumped me to the top of really being like, I want to do wine also, was guys, people were like, dude, we love your beer. We love your taste. We love like what you were trying to do. Yeah. And if I have the opportunity to work with somebody, to do something more to evolve this right with different ingredients i take that all day right i love being able to give a six-pack to my father-in-law and he's like dude this is so delicious or people go Jane, do you have any more left my little d-bot listen what is the d-bot oh the little vacuum thing oh that's a roomba You're getting everything, man. You're getting the kids. You're getting the vacuum. Yeah, the wife is actually a saint right now, keeping them upstairs. But one of them keeps coming down. Number (laughs) number two, huh? (laughs) Number two. Oh, your glasses? Okay. Number two is just trying to get on. You know, number two is in in, in seeing if podcasting is for them. Dude, listen, Uh, podcasting is for everybody, man. Podcasting is right. You saw what they paid Joe Rogan, and I watched something. (laughs) Jeez. But here's what's crazy. If somebody is willing to pay Joe Rogan $300 million, right? What does that say about the podcast industry? Oh, my yeah. Is that you're right. in the right industry? Good. You just got to put contact, you know, you just got to put, um, you just got to put stuff out, right? You just got to right. put content out. Yeah. And so whether you have 10, 15, 30, that 10, 15, 30 can be, that one person can go tell one person and say, oh, shit, now it's a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's, I mean, I'm sure that's what's happened. You know, you guys uh, obviously start with a following when you got into road tripping and all that. You obviously start with a little bit of a following because obviously fans are going to listen to what you have to say and people love you. But but yeah, we've noticed that too. Just uh, one one minute. If you're you're authentic, right? Anybody could have made a podcast about that team and it would have been shitballs. Right, because they would have been like, hey guys, how do you feel about today's game? Blah, blah, blah. We're like doing, (laughs) like, is Earth flat? Like, Braun, yes. what's up? You you look fat right now. Like, you know, like we're <laughs> we're being real. And that's the authentic, authenticity of your yeah. podcast makes you good. And that is what creates longevity. And and that is what I figured is like you see so many people, and, and JJ Reddick has a great the ringer, a great podcast. He's one of my favorite ones to listen to. Obviously, Joe Rogan, but those guys are the most authentic and they don't give yeah. a shit. No, nope. right? And I about 79% don't give a shit, right? And I'm trying to get to 100, but I'm learning. And I think uh, the people at Cleveland, I think the people who have known me, obviously you guys, like 
get that vibe and I, and I appreciate it. And it's always, yeah. you know, like I said, I responded back super quick. Well, as quick as I could. I went camping for a week and got bit up by mosquitoes. But, uh, yeah. dude, because I'm like, dude, these guys are cool as shit. Like, let's get on here and talk. What are we talking about? Beers? I get a drink? We're talking beers. We still, we got to talk a little basketball. But real quick, before we get to that, let's talk about uh, Chosen Family. When it comes out in September, where where can we buy it? Uh, I think the place that you'll be able to buy it uh, will be ChosenFamilyWines.com. And then there'll be swipe ups on Instagram. But because we don't have that much this year, I think next year we'll have 300. We might have a Syrah next year, which will be amazing. A lot of people don't drink Syrah, but trust me, love you Syrah. will love the Syrah that we bring out, right? I think a lot of people are used to those big, fig jam Syrahs. Imagine a Pinot Noir maker making a Syrah. Yes. Just, it's just an idea of wine, but we've tried. We were sitting with this winemaker and we tried 16 and we are doing this and doing that. So we have stuff in the work. So we have stuff that we want to make um, and we're not constrained to one plot of land. We have, we want to do a sparkling wine or a champagne. We want to go yeah. to Italy. We want to go to France. We want to go to Walla Walla, Washington. So we want to do things um, all over the place based on what we like and based on what I think people will appreciate. And we want to introduce new wines to people where you could trust us that we're going to make the best product that is not like some one-off, right? This is going to be right. stuff that we would actually drink and that we would pay it. for. And, and, you know, listen, to pay $50 for a bottle of wine, you should trust a person that is making it and that they're not just going to give you some bullshit. We are not going to give you no bullshit, right? We're, we're not, regardless of the price of our wine, um, because we don't make enough of it to BS you. And, and yeah. we care too much. Like we're too close to it, right? We're not making tens of thousands. We're right. not at Walgreens. We're not at Whole Foods. <laughs> we, I don't know when, if we'll ever go to a restaurant because we just might not make that much. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where we go. We're not going to find you next to Barefoot in a gas station. No, no, no. Oh, Kangaroo God. and Barefoot. No, <laughs> oh, I respect that. I respect that grind, right? I respect yeah. it. That's y'all's business plan. That's not ours, man. This is not ours. And Ours are a family wine, a group of guys whose families hang out, known each other for tens of years, um, just doing, trying to do stuff the yeah. right way, right? You know? So we're going to watch out. We're going to watch, you know, keep an eye yeah, on your social I'll media. When you blast big, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll blast boom, it out. I got to order it because my wife is going to listen to this and be like, you oh, have yeah. to get that. You have to get that. I was just going to say, you are going to ship it all over the country, right, Jim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I hand bottled every single one of the... Uh, Pinot Noirs yes. with a hand bottler. So that's 85 Ooh. times 12. So Is that for real? That is dead serious. Yes. You hand bottled all of them. Hand wow. bottled all of them. Love it. And what? then I am going to, want either me or one of my two other business partners are going to physically put the bottles in the box and ship them out to you. So we, it is just us three and then our friends and family who want to help out. So this is not like this is not a big time bit. This is a small business. This is very authentic. I love very it. real. Obviously, do I want to fucking put all these bottles in? <laughs> no, but I'm so excited to. But do yes. It. Yes. But yes. yes. No, but yes. Yes. I mean, there's worse things to do. There's worse things to do. <laughs> all right. So now listen to that. Order Channing Fry's wine and he will send it to you personally. All right. So let's talk a little basketball. Love it. Uh, so another funny story. 
So you are drafted in the 2005 draft. Oh, yeah. Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. New York. You get selected by the Knicks. Ooh. Oh, and the Channing Fry dog is in the house. Is that? Hold on. Sorry. He was chewing is something. That, sorry. Is that this a Wheaton? Is my life. What are you chewing on? Is it a Wheaton? Yeah, it's a Wheaton Terrier. He's, he's a puppy. Oh. oh. What? Oh, my God. That was Joseph's, Joey's yeah. childhood dog was that a Wheaton Terrier. This is the best Wheaton. dog I have ever had in my entire life. They're awesome. Right? Dude, he he doesn't bark. He's great. He doesn't run away. He's, I mean, he listens. He's doesn't shed. He just chooses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. something. That's why I drink. Don't give him Brussels sprouts. <laughs> no. Don't give him Brussels sprouts. Don't give him Brussels sprouts. Our vet told us to give him Brussels sprouts, like frozen Brussels sprouts, because it would like give him something to chew on and yeah. stuff. Oh, oh. We're farting? smelling farts. Oh, oh it's all <laughs> horrible. Dogs have horrible farts. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about that draft for a minute because one of the fun, most fun parts, and I wish I could remember it. One of the most fun things for me to talk about. I was at that draft. What? Did you see all my family? I had 75 people there. I was, it was completely <laughs> ass random. I was, my sister at the time lived in New York city up in the Bronx. So I was just up hanging out with her and she was like, the draft is tonight. Do you want to go? And I was like, I'm 20 years old. I'm like, sure. Oh. I'll go to that. Whew. And tickets to get in were like $13. It was like oh. 13 bucks. Come on into the draft. Yeah, there wasn't much to do there. I don't know if they were serving beers. We didn't even, we just walked up like a half hour before the draft. And so I don't know about your family, but I do know I walked up about a half hour before the draft. I bought $13 tickets and wound up sitting next to like Roni Turioff. Ah, Ronnie is a good dude. Oh, it was great. I played against him at Gonzaga. We went to triple overtime yes. uh, my sophomore year. Dude, he's crazy. Crazy. He was a I mean, beast, crazy especially dude. in college. He was a beast. Oh, Gonzaga had a sick team. Yeah. But go ahead. So, yeah, what was your story? There that I am just story. sitting. That was my story. I was at the draft where you got drafted. Oh, that's crazy. I was so tired. Richard Jefferson made me party till four in the morning. <laughs> and then I had an eight o'clock a.m. call. So my question is, uh, we got to talk about the RJ relationship for a minute. Okay. Because you guys never were on the same team in, no. in Arizona. He was there first. And then you kind of came in right when he left. Yeah. So I've known Richard. How'd the friendship start? We're both from Phoenix. Yeah. I know Richard since I was 14. So wow. we were at, so in Phoenix, all the best players would get an invite. And so my dad met a guy who was the invite guy. So he would go around Arizona and say, hey, Phoenix Suns players want to play with, you know, Arizona college guys want to play with best high schoolers. So it's this crazy pickup game with like Jason Kidd, Mike Bibby, uh, Antonio McDice, all these dudes. <laughs> like, I mean, even really good Harlem Globetrotters who Tony are real Dice. basketball players. Like, yeah. crazy players. And guys are just hooping. So I end up getting an invite because they were like, this kid's he's up and coming, but like, he's still developing. So I end up playing in this game and just playing dumb hard. And I was absolutely horrible, right? So like, I was so young. I was getting my shot blocks. These guys are bigger than me. I was like six, seven, but I was 15, 16. So they kind of saw. So Richard, yeah, I was so tall. At 15, were you six, seven, and what? Probably a buck 50? Yeah. Like, like Maybe. I wasn't, I was too, 
I was 205 my freshman year of college. Oh, wow. And then I stayed all year, stayed all summer, and went to 232. Wow. Every single day. But anyway, so Richard, my dad goes, Richard Jefferson was the best basketball player, high school basketball player in Phoenix at the time. And he goes, Richard, do you have any advice for Channing? And he was like, well, this A, B, C, D, but here's my number. And so all of a sudden, like, we end up being at the same tournaments. We end up seeing each other. And then my sophomore year of high school, I committed to Arizona. He took me on my official visit and got me smashed. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never <Yeah>. drank. <laughs> took me out. It was the absolute greatest time I've ever had in my life. We always stayed in contact. So then throughout the league, he just became like an older brother. Don't let him see this. And no. so we just kind of go back and forth. We are very different people, but we at the essential, you know, who we are are very much the same. And um, so, yeah, it's been like 23 years I've known that guy. So that's amazing. Fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. I mean, I'm not going to say that because, again, he, you and him have the most incredible. Uh, you have yeah. the most incredible. And listen, obviously, you're going to get the love in Cleveland because you're part of a team that wins a championship here. Right. And that doesn't happen here. So you're going to get that love, but listen, like, and I, I don't have anything bad to say about him, but like Mozgov doesn't get that love here. No, like, if he came back. It isn't like this crazy reception. Even, yeah. even a guy that was in a second stint with the, with the Cavs at that time, Mo Williams. Yeah. Who fans like Mo Williams, but like he did that. You think, and Richard again, Jefferson. But we went out thing. though. We were we went out, we were walking, we were going to bars, eating in restaurants, taking pictures. Like we were very we are very normal people. Obviously, we're calves, obviously we're big, right? Like, do you think Braun and Kevin would have ever left their compa- compounds if we were no. like, dude, just come out with us, right? Like right. see the city, let them see you, like they love you. You need to be seen. Like you need to let them know. Like, and you like these places. The food is good. Like, you have a chef, but Jesus Christ, like Bar- Barley House is fun. Like, and little do people know about your relationship that uh, you have Richard Jefferson's trading card in the spokes in your bike now. So- yeah, yeah, <laughs> I use that as toilet paper sometimes when we run out. But <laughs> <laughs> it just is. It, that was always so cool to me. Uh, one of our guests we had on. Uh, there's this really cool thing going on in Cleveland right now. They call it the Cleveland Girl Gang, and it's a bunch of females that are doing sports podcasts, tight, or being involved in sports. And and one of them, her name is Cameron Justice. She was on with us a few weeks back, and we were talking about that. And she just said the same thing though. Because we were talking about, like, have you ever seen a city just, we were talking about you and Richard. Have you ever seen a city just take to two guys that, you know, you weren't LeBron and Kevin Love. You were, yeah. you were, you played your role on the team, both yeah. of you. Uh, and you were only here for yes. X amount of years. You didn't, yeah. but it feels like you were on the Cavs for 20 years. Yeah. This city took to you. And she said the same thing, though. She was like, yeah, but like, do you know those guys? And obviously we don't know you guys, right, but like, right, right. kind of feel like we do. Like, yeah, they're just good. I mean, normal. pretty much. I mean, other than like family stuff, dude, you, you, everyone knows him uh, very much an open book. Yeah. Um, they asked me what I like about Cleveland, where I go. And I don't like mince words. I don't not, I don't tell you places because I'm, I own it. I tell you places cause I've been there and spent a lot of money there. And <laughs> um, you know, my kids loved it there. There's teachers were awesome. Uh, the, the people treated my wife and family with like so much love and respect is like, 
they treated me, you know, I, I went through the biggest highs and lows in Cleveland. And so forever, no matter what, I will always have like such a love for right. it. Because, you know, like when things were great, everybody was awesome. And then when things were absolutely dog shit awful, yeah. everybody was still awesome. People were like respectful of my space. They were always like, you know, not like, oh, talk to me about your feelings. They were like, dude, like, hey, sorry for your loss. Like, give me a hug and just go about their business. And that like, whether, but that's genuine. Like, that's genuine. Like, not, I'm trying to take a picture of you right now. It's like, hey, I know you're going through some shit, but you're still trying to play. You're still trying to be a professional. But I feel a certain way about you, right? And so, yeah, um, I dig it and I love it. And I, I, Cleveland always, like, always Cleveland. And anybody who's ever come up to Cleveland with me says, Cleveland's one of their top five favorite cities. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love it. All right. So, Here's what I couldn't find. And you would think just in the YouTube internet era world, you yeah. would be able to find this. But I was at the draft and I couldn't remember what happened when you got taken. And so I was like, I'll just go look it up because you can look all of that stuff oh, up. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I could not find a video of you getting drafted anywhere. Yeah. So what was it like? Getting well, I had an idea that I was going to go there. I had talked to Isaiah Thomas um i was ecstatic i was ready i thought that i was going to go there and and it was going to be like me at arizona i thought i was going to go in there and play and be a part of a, a winning culture change things and then we went there between larry brown isaiah steph there were just so many people that just didn't mesh together even yeah. though they were good people like larry brown off the court is a great guy larry brown's a coach yeah. sucks Larry Brown, like Steph off the court is an amazing person, right? Yeah. Super smart, super intelligent, always trying to do stuff for the community. But like when it came to winning or him, he made it about him a lot. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas, right? Like had this idea that if he got guys that were thirsty, um, that it they would like play the right way and they just didn't. But Isaiah Thomas now, like every time I see him, I work with him at Turner. Like I owe Isaiah Thomas my career, right? So Zeke yeah. is like my guy. So when people talk bad about Zeke, you know, during the Jordan thing, I feel a certain way, right? Yeah, right, right. My guy, right, and he lost his cousin and his brother that year. And I mean, he was going through stuff. So he was kind of the bully. But like all these guys I absolutely love, it just, we were not ready to be a team. And it just, in New York, it heightened, it heightened everything, right? It, if, if you weren't going to win, somebody was going to, just say, hey, we're not going to win. I'm just going to be selfish tonight. So I say it's not my fault. Right. It's a bad culture and it's a it's toxic. So that's funny because then you go from New York to Portland and now you live in Portland. Yeah. I you learned how to years. win here. I learned how to win here. Um, and you were only there a couple of years, right? I was there two years. Yeah. Nate McMillan and I had very yeah. a lot of differences on who I was as a player, which yeah. is fine. Um, but I needed a chance to go play and, and show the world and NBA who I was. And Alvin Gentry and Steve Kerr and David Griffin gave me that chance. And in Phoenix that year, we lost to Kobe. Yeah. Because uh, that damn air ball. But <laughs> we, I mean, Steve Nash and Grant Hill, they legit saved my career. They saved me as a, as a person. Um, they saved me as like a pro because I followed them around like a puppy. And I watched them yeah. every single day the film, the eating, the the workouts, the basketball workouts, the stretching, the this, 
So I credit Phoenix, every their training staff, their coaching staff, Steve Kerr, Alvin Gentry, forever and ever and ever. We'll never, you'll never hear me say anything bad about any of those guys. So is that stint in Portland when you knew you wanted to live in Portland? Yeah, well, I met my wife the first day I moved to Portland. That'll do it. And that's, that's it. to me, Portland is, I don't like a hassle, but I like food, wine, good people being outside. Um, and I'm a desert rat, so rain and trees was like a whole new thing. And so like, I like being on a, like being on a boat, like on a river and drinking a beer and just mm-hmm. being in nature. Like there's something about taking your shoes off and walking a trail. You know, it's like you take that for yes. granted, but as a kid, you do it all the time. But like as an adult, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? But like, sometimes you just need to lay down in the grass, right? Like as itchy as your back is going to be in Portland, <laughs> yeah. I think you do that, right? And um, I grew and, and fell in love with the type of people that Portland people are, um, which is very much open-minded. Um, they're conversationalist. Uh, they're very artistic. Um, and they just want the finer things. They want the experience. And what I love about Portland is what I love about Cleveland. Cleveland people want the experience, right? Whether that's a baseball game, a Browns game, a Cleveland game, uh, anything, or a food, yeah. whatever. They just want an experience, right? That's why the, the Browns pregame is better than actual game. It's an experience, right? It could be the snow. <laughs> I mean, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing, say. but listen, we're on the up and up. It could be worse. <laughs> it's a thing, we could man. have an awful tailgate and an awful team. But we have a kick-ass tailgate. Kick-ass tailgate. And then the game starts and you drink as much in the tailgate so that you can forget what happens on yeah, the field. Yeah, like, hey, who's, who's hitting the puck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so we'd be remiss. we got to talk about your time in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, and you obviously come in. You come in in the middle of 2016. Yeah. And things were hectic here when you came in, right? Because yeah. we just, uh, I we just got rid of David Blatt. Yeah. Which is, to me at the time, was so crazy because, again, I don't know the inner workings. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes. But, like, this dude just took us to the final. Well, yeah. LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and group took us to the finals. But he was the coach. True. We don't True. go to many finals around here. So uh, they I, get rid of him. Yeah. And then, and you come in not long after that, Ty Lue takes over and just kind of talk to us about just kind of your first impressions when you hear you're getting traded to Cleveland, uh, what your thoughts are about that, uh, fitting in on that team and and what you thought the potential was. I mean, I came from Orlando, so anything better and anything better than Orlando, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? <laughs> God damn. So for me, when I got here, I was like, holy shit, like this team is trying to win a chip. I got to get, you know, Richard was like, dude, Chain, you got to get in playoff shape. I was like, playoff shape? He goes, yeah, that's 10 pounds less than what you are right now. <laughs> right? Because I had already shipped, I, I, if I wasn't going to get traded from Orlando, I was shipping my cars back home and was ready to go for, you know, go to Cabo. So, Orlando sucks donkey nuts. It sucks donkey nuts. It sucks donkey nuts. It, it does. <laughs> it just, to me, it did. And it just like, there's no, there's no beat to who they are as a, as a, it's so touristy. It's not yeah. my vibe. It's not my vibe at all. Um, but when I got here, I felt like there wasn't somebody that connected all the little groups that were here. Even though everybody liked to do the same things. Everybody wanted to do the same thing in their own area. Instead of saying, hey, let's just go to Kevin's for dinner. Everybody eats dinner. Everybody drinks. 
Everybody likes cracking jokes. And then we can go to a bar, like, and kick it as a team. And everyone's like, oh, that's a great idea. But I'm like, it's just like regular life. So I feel like, you know, getting to know Kevin uh, more and more and more, he started to be more confident in who he was because Richard and I were like, dude, you're not wrong in these spots. So stop trying to be right by being quiet. Like you could be right and be outgoing about what you need to be successful, right? It may not be the nicest thing to say all the time, but like, you're fine. Got um, your videos that you used to post of Kevin oh, Love dude, and so just funny. the shit you used to do to him. Oh, so funny. Freaking like he, outrageous. You know, he's he's a great guy and you start to see who he's evolved into and it's yeah. I'm super proud of the kid. Um, and he might like that I say I call him a kid, but like <laughs> he's, people forget that Richard started those last three games for the, yeah. for the Cavs. He came off the bench after his concussion. Like imagine that like, that humility, right? Like I'm a, and I think this, and people are going to disagree. Kevin is a Hall of Famer when his career is done. Kevin has done enough to me to say he's a he's a Hall of Famer. Might take him a while, but he's going to be in there. But for him to come off the bench during that time for the betterment of the team was huge, huge yeah. for us. Um, and for Richard to be prepared to play in those games was huge. But if we hadn't had that relationship, it would have been very different. Um, and so for me. Coming to this team, my job wasn't like, obviously I was going to shoot. Obviously I was going to do the basketball stuff. But like, I I was like, hey, Lauren, like I need to be the best teammate to these guys. Kyrie, I need to get to know him. I need to get to know LeBron. I need to get to know Kevin. I need to get to know Mo. I need to get to know Mozzie, Deli. Like I need to have a relationship with all these guys yeah. so that when we need to communicate, I could tell Bron, hey, you can't talk to Kevin like that. Like, he doesn't respond to that. This is how he responds to, right? And Bron is a single child, right? So he's used to talking to people right. one way. So yeah. I had to be like, hey, Bron, like, you're not going to get the best out of Kevin if you talk to him like this. So you tell me what you want me to tell him, and we could do that, or you could tell him like this. Right now, whatever yeah. anybody thinks, it, it's the same way. And I told Kevin, if you got something to say to Bron, you can't say it soft. You have to say, hey, Bron. That's bullshit. Throw me the ball. You know what's up. Okay. Boom. You're trying to win. Everyone's trying to win. That was it. And yeah. once everyone got on the same page, um, then we are a force to be reckoned with. It was just being motivated because we were so damn talented. It was like, you know, like the Lakers right now look like poop, but I'm like, damn, these dudes, they're just chilling. They're chilling. Right. Well, yeah. But then the minute Braun kicks it up, it's going to be like, oh, damn. Like, it's Is that a real thing? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, it feels like it feels like a real thing. But is that like a palpable thing in the locker room when when LeBron goes into like dark zero, dark thirty, shuts every shit off, and then just like he goes? Like, do you feel that in the locker room? Yeah, boy, this change is dirty. It is dirty. <laughs> it is dirty because Bron's a low, a jokey, ha ha ha, mess around with everybody. Let's listen to music. But once his music is on. And he starts just looking at the ground, doing this. Then you go, oh, he going to fuck somebody <laughs> up tonight. Here we go. I'm going to play the whole four quarter because we're up by 40. Like, that's <laughs> yes. that my is time it. to shine. It is a thing. And I've only played with four or five players that have that, that level. And it would be like, okay. Braun, Grant, uh, not Grant, but like Steve, Amari, yeah. Roy. And Stefan Marbury. Man. 
Kyrie, sorry. Take Steph out, Kyrie. It's just so sad. Like, uh, it's still hard for me to think about the Cavs and Kyrie and LeBron. And then I just feel like, did that really, ha- did that have to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, did that breakup have to happen? Oh, yeah. Did it? In a sense of Kyrie. Do you, have you ever seen a, a league of their own? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So Kyrie is kit. Kyrie needed to feel what it was like to be that. And he's acknowledged that. He said, hey, like, I didn't know how hard it was to do what Braun was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but okay. I mean, Kyrie hit the, everyone's going to say Ray Allen. No way. Kyrie's shot that he hit is the hardest shot, the greatest shot in NBA Finals history. That's it. Game seven of the NBA Finals with 10 right. seconds ago, and you hit a step back right foot three and you're right-handed? Stop it. Well, with all the rest, down 3-1, Right, you know, seventy-three stop and nine. It. Your opponent. Yeah. We're so super. T- Come on, stop it! I, I just think people, we get numb to greatness. Sometimes we get bored with it. And Kyrie and what Kyrie and Brown were doing in that series was unreal. It's 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 a hard pill to swallow though for us Cleveland fans, right? Because it's like you watch Golden State go through this just this dynasty mode essentially, and it's like that was our dynasty. And of course, here in Cleveland, it's like, well, we got to break that up. Sorry, <laughs> see you later. Listen, you're not a. We're not a big market. Cleveland's not a big market. Where, you know, Golden State, they have the money to go out and get those type of guys and to keep those type of guys, and they grew up in that system, right? Where Steve yeah. Kerr's system worked for them, where they don't know anything different. So, Kyrie had two or three coaches before T. Lip. Right. And obviously, he won, but he got there before. So, you know, it just things just work out. But listen, we got it while we had the chance, and that's more than a lot of teams. All right, so let's talk real quick. That game seven. Yeah. You guys stormed through the playoffs. Yeah. Little trouble initially with Toronto because they're hard to play at home. Yeah, we weren't taking it very seriously. We were going out and partying. Were you really? Oh, for sure. <laughs> okay. Man, I'm, giving, I'm giving Toronto credit. <laughs> hard to play. Due to the city, not the players. One hundred. <laughs> All right. Hey, Toronto's a good place to party. Do you? But I mean, it was just us. We were just eating and drinking and talking and laughing, and we we're like, "Ah, oh, shit, we're low hungover." And then Bismack Biombo made eighty million dollars off of one game. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and then Coach was like, "Guys, what the what the f? Like, get it together." And we we're like, "All right, man, stop playing around." And we just went out there and smacked him. Yeah, and that that was it. I think we scored like uh, I think we only ran one play in the third quarter. If you watch. I think we scored 26 points off of one play and ran every single option where Braun would catch at the elbow, uh, where Richard Jefferson would get an alley-oop or I would get a corner three or Delhi would get the pocket pass to Braun. That's like that play that was unstoppable. That, that was like Richard Jefferson at the, at the elbow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That play yeah. too. Oh, yeah. That was just unstoppable. It's just yeah. unstoppable. And they just couldn't figure it out because they played a traditional center. And so I think that was our problem. It was like, dude, as long as, long as they played this lineup. And then when Braun was spinning the ball in his hand, we were like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> <laughs> so you get to the finals. You go down 3-1, obviously. It, it, do you guys really maintain the faith there like this is happening? Sure. We're, we're coming back. Listen, we're down 3-1. All we were talking about on the plane was if we get one – one more game, it's over. It's going to fuck them up mentally, right? Because the pressure is on them. If we get one more game, right? So game six, 
I think was at six, seven, right? Or game six might've been at Cleveland or one of those games was at Cleveland. It was the game loudest. Six was, game six was at Cleveland. I was, was the there. loudest. It was insane. 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 So we knew if we got that game, that it was all on them, right? And when I tell you, the whole team would just look at each other and say, hey, it's God's destiny. We're going to win this game. He wouldn't have put us here if he didn't think we're, or if he didn't want us to like, now, whether you believe in God, whoever your God is, whatever is fine. But when you have a team of 15 guys saying that to each other, it became like, I don't want to say a cult, but like, I get it. Everything we did, we did together as a, as like a herd of, of goat. Like we were like, if you want to eat here, we're all eating here. If you want to drink wine, we're all drinking wine. What are we talking about? Are we looking at film? There was nothing, nothing. An asteroid could have been coming towards the earth. We would have stood there as a team and said, we're going to punch the shit out of this asteroid. That is blinders how focused we were on everything. If you watch the film, watch the bench, everybody is calling out their plays and their actions before it happens. That's how locked in everyone was. Back screen, get to the body, boom, this, do this, do this, do this. When coach put in Dante Jones and Mo I was Williams, just going to bring that up. Like, that's how, that's how much trust he had. Mo Williams didn't play at all any other series. and got in. And how game- good was Dante Jones? Dude, but that's what I'm saying. That's how locked in everyone was. When guys didn't play, dudes were riding a bike for an hour. Dudes were doing sprints, doing three-hour like workouts on the court if they had their chance. Like That is how nuts it was on that team. And I knew I wasn't going to play, but I knew if I got in, they were going to put in a guard. So every time they put in a center, he put me in, and then he, Steve Kerr took the center out and put a guard in, and then I came right back out. But I said, hey, if I run up and down the court, at least need to be like sort of, you know, sort of shape looking. <laughs> but, I mean, awesome. when we went to game seven, we were like Kyrie and Braun had some like yeah, crazy shit going on in their eyes, and they both had 41. Which <laughs> but the – you know, the cool thing about game seven was there were so many contributions just from kind of all over the place. Like J- it, things don't go the way they go. I don't no. think if Jr. doesn't come out in the third quarter and hit like eight straight points. But that's the, the benefit of Jr. was that Jr. wasn't even worried about scoring. All he wanted to do is play defense. He was like, his job is to make Clay Thompson miserable. Yeah. And he. Who would have ever thought he'd it. say that about Jr. He's yeah, not worried about scoring. <laughs> I mean, but the thing was, he was like, what's my job? If you give JR a job, he's like, I'm doing that thing. But if you go, JR, I need you to score a little bit and play defense. Say, okay, I can do that. He's just that talented. It's just. Pop quiz. You guys win the title. What did Richard Jefferson do the minute the, the clock? <laughs> <laughs> crying like a little baby. Watch the film. He was crying like somebody hit you him. Did, you nuts. threw the ball. You did some weird dance. Oh, I was looking around for somebody to hug, and nobody wanted to hug. <laughs> bullshit! It was absolute bullshit. All right. Well, thank you guys, uh, man. It's been great. Real, real quick. Last before you go. Yes. Overwatch. Oh, who's your favorite. main? Who's your main? Either Lucy or Winston. Lucy or Winston. Oh, Winston. I love Winston. I hate wow. you can't kill anybody with Winston. I don't like that. But here's the thing: if like you do people. it right, if you do it right and you communicate, Winston is a mother effer. 
You just got to go in with a Diva or, or a, a Hammond. But you, everybody goes in for the tanks. You can't go in for the tank. You have to be patient. You put your bubble down or you jump. I love it. You bubble down behind. I know I play a lot. I actually went to the Overwatch Same. League. Dude, I went to the Overwatch League in uh, Santa Barbara, not Santa Barbara, but um, Glendale, uh, or Burbank. Yeah, Burbank. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I talk to those guys. I play all the time. Um, like, and I, I get so mad. I get so fucking mad, <laughs> but I play it all the goddamn time. Um, yeah, but those are my two mains. And then other than that, I'm, I'm a big time Zarya and uh, right. I like Brig, but they nerfed the shit out of Brig. Moira is kind of a cheat code. That's like 20, I see. I like, I like Moira. That's a 20K uh, heals a game, but I'm like, that's so boring. Yeah, but you got to heal. You got you to heal. I just you got to heal, but you got to kill too. I, like if I I, you just throw healing orbs, right? Throw them against the wall, and then you just zap people for a second. See, I like to heal the other way, and I like to throw the other orbs. Mm. And you just you rack up a ton of kills, and you're still doing a ton of heals. If you don't know Overwatch, if you like video games, get into Overwatch. It's great. It's a great uh, team game, especially if yeah. you, you play PS4, computer, Xbox. I Xbox. Dude. My buddy. So my buddy got me into it. My buddy is uh, bless uh, fingers. Bless fingers. One hit me up. All right, we'll hit you up because my sure. buddy's uh, my buddy's like an engineer out at Xbox, and he, he got me way into it. Dude, and it's the best. It's we the play best. it all the time. So bless fingers. I'm oh, bless fingers out. one. Yep. All right, all right, boys. Well, thank hey, you. listen, Channing, thank it, you man. so much for coming on with no us. Problem, man. Uh, thank it was you awesome. Me. Thank you, thank you. Anytime. And a big thank you goes out to Cavaliers legend, and a guy that you think could have played for the Cavs for twenty years. Uh, the way. The way he treats Cleveland, the way treat Cleveland treats him back. But uh, how awesome was that to have Channing Fry on? Uh, and, and and frankly, literally, I thought he was going to be crazy entertaining, and he was just more fun than I thought he was even going to be. Guys, honestly, and, and you know the thing is, we didn't even scratch the surface of all the stuff that we wanted to talk to him about. Oh, not not even close. <laughs> and, and and it was just, it was just so. The conversation was just so flowing. It was just so natural. It just, I don't know. He was, he was amazing. And, 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 and I think the people are going to, everybody out there, you're going to enjoy this. We got appearances from his kids. We got appearances from his Wheaton Terrier. Uh, uh, and you know what? Just uh, a huge thank you goes out to Channing Fry. If you're in the Cleveland area, uh, go pick out his Fry PA. Uh, again, it goes to a great cause. Um, uh, so he, they're donating all the money made by this beer. So go pick up the fry PA, uh, that he made in conjunction with sibling revelry brewery. Also in September, just, uh, just keep it focused on Channing's uh, social media and he will announce it. But, uh, his wine is going to, uh, be available for purchase. Again, his wine label is chosen family. Um, so keep on his social media, uh, Channing fry, easy to find everywhere. Uh, but Chosen Family is his wine. He's going to have a Pinot Noir and a Chardonnay available, but there's limited. And as he said, he hand-bottled that shit, and he's going to put it in the box and mail it to you. So uh, really cool venture, really cool uh, that we got to talk about how in-depth he gets with, his, with, with the beer and the wine, uh, and then obviously just some of the great stories about, uh, about his career and all that. So, uh, again, our sincerest and, and, and biggest thank you goes out to former Cleveland Cavalier from the 2016 NBA champion Cleveland Cavaliers, Channing Fry for joining us on the podcast. What do you got, Chad? You look like you're about to say something. No, 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 no. 
Uh, no. Well, then on that note, boys, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. You guys have uh, anything else you want to you want to chime in with before we head out? Uh, I'm just kind of upset. Montreal had their chances, but um, looks like the Flyers went up one nothing, and then now I'm watching the uh, Canucks and Blues. So uh, go NHL Plus. We didn't even get into that. I mean, he he, he said something about. Uh, how uh, an oh. argument about the NBA playoffs are better than the NHL, but uh, I wish we could have got into that argument, but maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, we we could have a talk about that, but uh, yeah, Joe, anything else? You good? So good. <laughs> so good. Joe's drinking some vanilla beers, just enjoying his life. All right, well, for uh, for Chad at Garage Beers Chad on Twitter, for Joe at Garage Beers Joe on Twitter, uh, I am Michael Keefe. You can find me at Garage Beers Mike, and then of course the page at the Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Facebook. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Uh, interact with us, and please share it with your friends. Uh, we hope you had as much fun listening to this as we had recording it. So uh, for all of us here at Garage Beers for Channing Fry. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and cheers, everybody.